Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, you can sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. I will also open the lines in the second half of the show so that you can ask questions or make a comment. Following the show, you can continue this discussion on the Genealogy and History Forum of Afrogenius.com and research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page. In fact, please like both pages. Well, we have an interesting show tonight entitled the Barbados and Carolina's Connection with Mrs. Rhoda Green, Barbados Honorary Consul to South Carolina and founder and CEO of the Barbados and Carolina's Legacy Foundation. Mrs. Green was born in Barbados, West Indies, and resides in Charleston, South Carolina with her husband and children. She currently serves, as I've mentioned before, as the Honorary Consul for Barbados in South Carolina. Her work with the Barbados-Carolina connection led to a twinning between Spitzertown, Barbados, and Charleston, South Carolina in 1998. That was followed with bringing the Barbados Tourism Authority and SCETV together to produce a documentary that is shown on ETV and is entitled From Barbados to Carolina. So let me give a warm welcome to Mrs. Rhoda Green to research at the National Archives and Beyond. Welcome, Rhoda. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be joining you and your listeners. 
Well, it's a pleasure to have you because tonight is going to be one of those nights where we really do listen and learn. So why don't you give us just a a brief idea of how you became involved in the history of Barbados and the Carolinas. The story began just in a very routine fashion. My sister and her husband uh, came to South Carolina back in the 1970s, late 1970s. We were living in New York at the time. She was fascinated and drawn by so many things that reminded her of Barbados that she called me and told me that I needed to come and visit because this place reminded her of back home. Her husband was from Jamaica, and he too felt that there was some resemblance to Jamaica. So we came to South Carolina, my husband and I and the family, really the next year, and once we got here, all of the things that my sister told me about really grabbed us, and we became very, very connected to the place. It was just the familiarity of the names of the places, the parishes, the streets, people's names, those things just kind of grabbed us and and enveloped us, and we became very, very interested and connected to the place based on those things that we saw. Well, that's quite interesting uh, that a visit would bring about that familiarity so that you would want to to know more. Well, just help us uh, understand just Barbados and its history. The interesting thing about Barbados is that uh, people are very familiar, particularly people from the United States. They're familiar with places like Jamaica, and they're familiar with places like uh, the Bahamas and the Virgin Islands. But uh, very many people don't seem to know where Jamaica is. As a matter of fact, when you're talking to people about Jamaica, one of the, or about the Caribbean, or about Barbados in particular, some people would even ask you if Barbados is in Jamaica. So mm-hmm. people aren't quite familiar with Barbados. Uh, Barbados is the very first island that one reaches after you cross the Atlantic, coming from Africa. It's a small island. And it, situate, it is situated in the Atlantic as opposed to the archipelago or that chain of island that reaches from pretty much the tip of uh, Florida down to the South American coast. So it juts out into the Atlantic, and it is very uh, – it, it, it is off of the beaten track. Mm-hmm. The history of it is fascinating in that when the people who were looking for new settlements in the 16 and 1700s, they, they, they came to a number of the other islands. But when 
they settled in Barbados, or when the British, uh, a group of them coming from Brazil, settled in Barbados, they found no one inhabiting the land. The land pretty much was unoccupied at that time. It was obvious that Native Indians were on the, uh, the, the island and that uh, they left some of the uh, things that indicated that it was occupied. But when the English settled there, the island was unoccupied. So the first settlers who were British settled Barbados in 1627 after making a visit in 1625. And from that time on, Barbados was settled and was under the control of the British. Mm-hmm. So now we understand, okay, so we're talking about 1627. So what about the Carolinas' history in relation to Barbados' Caribbean history? Well, I think I probably need to give you a little bit more information about Barbados so that you would see how Barbados became the antecedent of what really transpired in the uh, settling of the, uh, the Carolinas. When the British settled in Barbados, they were looking for new ways of making a living. They were looking, uh, they were coming off of a period of, uh, of harsh living in the British uh, area in, in Europe. And they were looking for new colonies they were exploring. When they settled in Barbados, it was basically English who settled Barbados. So the English, the British, were the main occupants at that time. They were looking for crops that they would uh, grow. They were looking for what they, they can do to make, uh, make a buck. So you had people exploring and developing different crops. They looked at, uh, they looked at cotton. They looked at, uh, at, at uh, growing um, indigo, tobacco. They tried different crops. Mm-hmm. And during that time period, they actually got people from Ireland and Scotland who were brought to Barbados as indentured servants to work on the plantations or to work in Barbados. Well, those crops that they had, cotton and indigo and and, and ginger, they didn't yield too much profit. It wasn't until sometime around the 1630s that they had some visitors from Brazil who introduced sugar. And once they introduced sugar, they realized that they needed a massive labor force, and they actually needed uh, people who would be able to work in the tropics. So it was at that point the English started to bring masses of Africans from the coast of West Africa to work on the sugar plantations in Barbados. At this time, they had deforested the island, and pretty much you had plantations 
popping up everywhere. That made them very, very wealthy. And the British, or the Barbadians at that time, were proud to call themselves Barbadians because they were bringing in so much money. Barbados was deemed as one of the richest places uh, uh, in, in the British um, holdings or colonies, and they wielded a lot of influence. So they were happy to be called Barbadians, and they called themselves Barbadians because they wanted to distinguish themselves from all of the other British people. And that is where they cleared the island and they started uh, pretty much having plantations all over. The island is a small island. It's only uh, 166 square miles, um, which is 22 by 14 miles. And that pace quickly became used up, and there was not mm -hmm. enough to the... Uh, you know, to the to the ears of these people who settled. And that resulted in them looking for other places to develop. So you, they moved from Barbados to other British col uh, colonies like Jamaica. Many of these other colonies had passed through the hands of the Spanish or the French. They were occupied by other colonial powers, but Barbados, because of where it is situated, off of the beaten path and away from the, 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 the uh, turbulent weather or hurricanes and those sorts of uh, climatic uh, occurrences in the uh, Caribbean area, Barbados was sort of secure. So what you had then was um, the Barbados became the hub or the place or the launching pad for the British to spread to other Caribbean uh, colonies as they acquired them, ultimately to, in 1670, when land was scarce and they didn't have um, many, uh, or they didn't have property to, to pass on to their heirs, the younger siblings from the British who settled the island, they were looking for places and it occurred that they, you know, looked for further um, colonies, and they set sail. One of the Barbadians, one of the leading uh, Barbadians at the time, John Colleton, whose history is uh, very much uh, part of South the Carolinas' history, they set out on an expedition, first settling in, in, in around the Cape Fear area in North Carolina, and that uh, settlement or that colony did not establish itself or did not sustain itself, they later came to South Carolina uh, at the time. It was all the Carolinas, but they landed at Albemarle Point. English, who brought with them indentured servants and African slaves, and they settled in the Albemarle Point area, which later was called Charlestown Landing, but we now know it as Charleston. At the time, the Carolinas was not yet divided. That became divided into two, uh, north and south, much later, 
sometime in the 17, uh, between the 1790s, 1719 and 1731. So that is the connection between Barbados and the other Caribbean islands, and then ultimately the connection with the Carolinas. That is a wonderful overview of the history of Barbados and the South Carolina connection. I mean, information that many of us were not even aware of. So tell us more about this, this shared history and influence that we, we need to understand. One of the things that fascinated me and my husband, who is also from Barbados, when we came here, I mentioned before that there was something that drew us to the place. There was this sense of connection. And it wasn't something, yes, we saw some physical things that re reminded us of Barbados, but it seemed to be something beyond that. I had, we had young kids growing up. Uh, we brought them from New York. They were born uh, in New York. And one of the things that I felt as a layperson, the, these our kids needed to know a bit more about the place that they were living and that they were going to be residing. So we felt it was important to allow them and to give them the benefit of knowing something about South Carolina, about Charleston, but also how it was connected to Barbados historically. So it was really part of my interest as a layperson that motivated me in a real sense to become more aware of the connection. It happened that I went to Barbados, I just we, we visited regularly, and I found a um, one of my sisters found a book written by um, Dr. Henry Fraser and Warren Allen that is entitled The Barbados-Carolina Connection. Now, I knew that there was some connection, but when I saw this book and read this book, it laid out in very vivid fashion and very, very um, intriguing fashion the connection. And there was just all of these many areas of connection. And that stimulated my curiosity and caused me to do a lot more searching. Uh, I realized that there were some people here who knew about the connection. But apparently it was something that was pushed in the background, and they, it wasn't something that was you know, spoken about regularly. So there were those who, know the, who knew the history, but there were others who were totally oblivious to the history. And um, my search and my curiosity led me to do further search. I found out in some of the reading that I did, dating back to as um, in the 1930s, National Geographic did a piece in one of in its early magazines, and they were describing um, Charleston, and they called it a city 
that present it was a, it was more a British city than it uh, or British colony than other parts of the United States, and mm. they called it the plantation capital because there were so many plantations in this area, and that was back in the nineteen thirties when this um, National Geo- Geographic article was written. But then there were other books. There was one book that uh, became the Bible, I would say, the Holy Grail, if you're interested in the history. It was um, a book called the Shaftesbury Papers, and that was written uh, in the uh, – it was first written or published sometime in the uh, 19 – around 19 – around 1897 – and it had been reprinted. But what that book did was provided the correspondence between some of the Barbadians, those people who were going to set up the new colony here. And it outlined very uh, clearly the communication that grew back and forth, uh, that went back and forth between the people who were settling uh, these areas. And we had one of the notable people from this uh, area, one of the, your, uh, the Lord Proprietors, uh, Ashley Cooper, he was the young man, John Colleton, who was more or less the head, the one who, was the, 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 the one who, who, who planned the expedition to settle the Carolinas. He was in Barbados. And you have all of that information going. And it seemed to, uh, to me, as I read the information, that it was much later that scholars and people started to look more particularly at Barbados. Yes, early on they said it, um, it reminded them of a British colony, but then it is just recent scholarship, and when I say recent, it probably is within the past few uh, decades that people started to look, or scholars started to look more particularly at Barbados, because what you have uh, the, what developed here in the in the Carolinas uh, mirrored so much what happened in Barbados, and you had historians calling um, what was settled up, what was settled here, the Barbados mother. They called it uh, Barbados, the culture hearth of this area. So a lot of focus started uh, uh, to be. Uh, uh, addressed or given to Barbados, and that, that intrigued me because I saw some of the connections, but then here scholars who are doing research are pointing to Barbados as being very pivotal in what was developed here on, the, uh, on, on you know, this, this coast uh, uh, in the south. So that became very fascinating to me. Well, it, it, uh, it is you, such you, a fascinating history to to just hear what you're saying. I mean, the plantation capital, uh, more British uh, colony than any other places in the U.S. I mean, this is definitely new information for us, and I I hope that we will be able to Google us look at that 1930s National Geographic's article that you mentioned uh because this again is is new information uh that we're hearing right now 
But I'm, I'm, we're going I'm, to take a break, and we're going to come right back. Just a quick break, okay? at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from iTunes. Well, you have been listening to Mrs. Rhoda Green, Barbados Honorary Consul to South Carolina, and the founder and CEO of the Barbados and Carolinas Legacy Foundation. She has just provided us with a wealth of information, and I'm going to turn it back over to Rhoda so that she can continue to talk about the history and the heritage and the influences that can be seen today in both areas. Rhoda, you're back on. Thank you. I just want to bring to uh, the listeners' attention the very many influences that are shared between Barbados and the Carolinas. The government that was set up in Barbados under the British control uh, was one of the influences that the 
settlers who came, the early settlers, brought from Barbados. That governmental system, which is basically British, that was instituted in Barbados, was one of those influences. So as you look at the government and what was set up here, it mirrors in many respects what was set up in Barbados. Again, having uh, a close resemblance to, a resemblance to what was set up British. The government, the laws, the laws that were set up in Barbados, particularly laws that were instituted to manage and to keep the enslaved population under control, those laws were also transported when the British settlers came to the Carolinas. What actually happened is that they pretty much transported the mode or the governance system that was established and worked for them in Barbados and the other Caribbean islands. They transported that model here to the Carolinas. So religion, the Anglican church is what we call it in Barbados or what the British called it. But once they came here, um, it, you know, it was known as the Episcopal, but it is basically the Anglican church that derives from England. Uh, the education system to some degree, that was one of the influences. Now, we've already talked about plantations. Plantations popped up all over Barbados. Uh, the, the island was deforested, and everywhere there was uh, plantations. The same thing happened here. So that that early uh, report said that uh, the, the, the Carolinas, or particularly this area, was the plantation's capital. What is interesting, many of the plantations that are set up here, they had sister plantations in Barbados. So the names that you see appearing in Barbados in the ruling class, those are the very names that you see here in early, um, uh, the, the early Carolinas. And many of them uh, were part of the same family. The older brothers, the older sis, uh, siblings were in Barbados and, and, and probably other islands. Uh, the, the younger ones are the ones who, who came here. And, mm -hmm. and, and who actually came to seek, to seek and, and, and to make their fortune. So the economy that was set up in Barbados, which was based on the plantation system, in Barbados the crop that really uh, made uh, Barbados wealthy and made the British crown wealthy was sugar. Here in the Carolinas, once the same settlers came and settled, they tried some of the same crops that they uh, experimented with in Barbados, cotton and, and, and so forth. Well, this region was a bit uh, cooler. It wasn't as hot as the tropics. So many of the crops, uh, particularly uh, sugar cane, didn't do very well here. But uh, tobacco did very well in, North Car in, in what is now North Carolina. And the economy was pretty much driven by the labor provided by the uh, enslaved population. Uh, like I said before, the early people who worked on the plantations were the uh, Irish in Barbados. Uh, 
we still have a group of people from Barbados, um, from Irish descent, that are called the Red Legs, and that was from the indentured class. A lot of the stories or a lot of the, the references that I make, there's much more to the story. The, these are just the, 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 um, the, the way that we look at the history because there's so many different uh, tangents or so many different aspects. And then you had trade, the trading between the Carolinas and Barbados and the other Caribbean uh, islands with the exchange of rum and goods. And, and from here, uh, from the Carolinas, you had uh, other goods where the, the in, trading with the Indians and so forth. And that is one of the influences. And architecture, the architecture of the, 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 um, the, the, uh, of this area in Barbados, they had certain, uh, they had to adapt because the English didn't, they, they were used to colder weather. They came to, the, uh, to Barbados. They had to uh, learn how to live and how to function in a hotter climate. So the architecture that evolved with, with, with that process of becoming acclimatized to the hotter uh, climate or to the tropics, and many of those features um, form what we, we, we call the, 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 uh, the, the house forms and the, 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 the notable features that distinguish architecture from the Caribbean and this area. Uh, one of the houses in particular that, was, uh, that evolved in Barbados was the narrow houses that would situate uh, or put the, 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 the people who live in the houses in a good um, position so that they can get the benefit of the breezes. One of those uh -huh. house forms that was transported here is the single house. And, 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 and then there are the very many features, not only with the, um, the, 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 the houses of the poor people, but the great houses and the plantation houses and so forth. So that's another influence. There's the military. There's a great military uh, connection. And then everyone loves to hear stories about the pirates. One of our notable pirates that was uh, pretty much uh, met his end here in South Carolina uh, he was from Barbados, Steed Bonnet. He and many of the other notable pirates, they plagued the seas and they plundered. Uh, but that's part of the influence. And the book that I told you about, the Barbados-Carolina Connection, many of these places that we talk about and these structures, we have like Colleton uh, uh, County, we have Colleton Plantations in Barbados, and we have Colleton plantations here. One notable character from Barbados, John Yeaman, uh, who his name shows up everywhere as you look at the Carolina history. The house that he owned still exists, Nicholas Abbey. So you talk about the connection, but then you see places in Barbados that you can tie into the history, and you can see how those people moved. And then we have the more common things like the art and the food and the fashion and the music. So we have all of these influences that are shared. And if you know what you're looking for, you can find them in Barbados and you can find them here. Now, I think it's good for me to say that the connection between 
the Caribbean or Barbados and the Carolinas extends beyond Barbados. It flows to other Caribbean islands. I am focusing on Barbados because I'm from there, and I will tell you a little bit more as we move on how it is that I, I, I focus mainly on Barbados. But those are the influences that you'll find in Barbados and here. And if you know what you're looking at, all in North Carolina and all in South Carolina and even down to Georgia, there are these influences that correlate, that are so connected. And those are the intriguing things, I guess, that would pull together uh, or cause people to feel connected because they're there and they're obvious if you know what, what to look for. What to look for. Well, you know, one of the the things that we, we do focus in on in this show is genealogy as well as the history. And so it, why don't you share with us where history and genealogy intersects with Barbados and South Carolina? I always... I was always drawn to the history. It is just within recent times that I realized uh, that history and genealogy, they really intersect. Uh, I have had situations where people uh, who have ties as they're doing their genealogical research and as they're searching for their family and, uh, and, and where they came from, that, that, that um, people say, well, they came from Barbados. And what I'm finding out now that many people are interested in doing their history uh, and doing, I mean, doing their genealogy uh, research. And I, it dawned on me just recently that when someone is looking at their genealogy, they are really looking at their family uh, or their ancestors. And the ancestors were living in periods of history that we look at in a very general fashion. But many of them were living through some of the turbulent times of that period, whether it was during slavery, when all of the slave laws were being, um, you know, exerted upon them. There were those who were in the military. Um, and when you look at them or you look and you get information about them, they were part of the history of the time. And when we search for the, uh, the genealogy, we're not only uh, looking at their names and where they came from to better understand the lives and their experiences and to empathize or to, to, to really get a grasp for what they were, uh, uh, you know, what they were overcoming or living through, then we look at the history. So I, I, it dawned upon me when two young ladies, or, or three actually young people from, the, uh, from different native tribes contact, uh, contacted me and said, you know, I'm doing some genealogy, and I found out that one of my ancestors came from Barbados. 
well, you can't just take that at face value. How is it that they came from Barbados, and what were they doing in Barbados, and what were the circumstances? So whenever you get to that area, you're looking at the history. So that is where I say the history and uh, history and genealogy intersect. And in order to get a good understanding of our ancestors and how they, uh, the, 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 their experiences uh, during the time that they were alive, knowing the history, knowing what was going on, knowing you know what wars there were, you know, those are the things that uh, caused me to say that history and genealogy intersect. Right, but when you have individuals who would make a, a comment like that to you, that their ancestors came from Barbados, how do you or where do you direct them to find more information about their ancestors? I mean, I know they, they, they absolutely need to understand the history, but at some point they're going to have to know how to get into the records, where the records are, so that they can make that connection, even if the, they, their ancestors are in South Carolina or in other parts of the uh, United States. Yeah, um, well, one of the things that, um, no, I go back frequently to Barbados, and I work closely with, um, you know, the governmental uh, bodies there, particularly the Ministry of Tourism and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And what has happened is that there has been a tremendous uptick in Barbados for people from everywhere coming to Barbados to search for, um, you know, information regarding their, their, their ancestors. Uh, Barbados has an archive the Barbados Archive, where there's quite a bit of information. The Barbados uh, Museum and Historical Society, you do get information there also. Barbados is very aware of this uptick. Actually, it, 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 um, there was a, a, a great bump in, in, in that activity after roots was shown here in America, uh, people became very interested in their genealogy. So that interest just pretty much spiked, and it continues to spike today because I realize there are so many people now who are doing genealogical um, research, and Barbados has become a hub, again, because of its relationship with England, because it never passed from one um, colonial power to the next, there is a lot of information, and even the information that you have here online or, or, or when you search for information, Barbados has become a place that people can go. Uh, the parishes, Barbados had 11 parishes, each parish had uh, records of births, marriages, uh, you know, any sort of legal transaction, uh, Barbados. There is that information available in Barbados in the Barbados archives. And Barbados is ready in itself and it's becoming uh, more prepared 
to deal with the influx of people who are looking for information. The Barbados Museum regularly now gives um, information on how to research documents and where do you go. Uh, interestingly enough, there are Barbados, if there, if there's information you're looking for that you can't get in Barbados, you probably can get it in England. So there are all of these um, opportunities or provisions for those who are looking for information. So one place people can look at is at the Barbados Archives. I said the Barbados Museum. Um, and there are some documents um, for the familysearch.org um, where a lot of the information that one would get is information in Barbados covering a number of areas uh, dealing with, with um, marriages and, and some of the, um, gosh, it, it's dealing with uh, the planters list, the inhabitants on Barbados uh, during the 1638 um, period and, and beyond 1673, you had the most eminent planters list. You had in 1679 inhabitants, and then in the 1680 census, you can get that information. You have information on the militia role of 1680, and in 1696, uh, there's uh, another set of documents called the Association Oath Rolls, and you have the 1715 uh, census. You have slave registers. So there's, uh, there are lots of information that... Um, you can get from Barbados, and if you can't get their documents, they may be in Barbados or they may be in England. And that's where you have quite a bit of, of, of very, very uh, vital information if you're doing your research. Now, there's a, I have several questions coming out of the uh, chat room. And the one question is, would the genealogists be treated warmly and are welcomed uh, when they're trying to gather additional information in Barbados? Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, I, I'm going to say this as a Barbadian. Barbadian uh, Barbados has become, not only in the history, not, as, not only as people look at uh, the social implications that uh, flow from Barbados because of the role it, it played. But Barbadians uh, know that people are coming to get information that is very meaningful, very sensi uh, sensitive, and they try to accommodate that. We have in the Barbados Museum, I see recently uh, the Barbados Museum and Historical Society they have employed new specialists who can give very valued and knowledgeable information and guidance to people. So that is one of the things. As the custodian of these documents that are so important to people, Barbados understands uh, the implication of being the custodian of this, uh, this sort of information, and they try to accommodate and to do whatever they can to facilitate and to help people. So, yes, they usually find very, very uh, 
but people who are trained and who would be able to give the 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 the, the best advice and assistance when visitors um, inquire. Actually, there is one um, research. Uh, there's one company online, which is www.docsbarbados.com, and that is docsbds.com. If anyone is interested in finding information and they can't go down to Barbados, they go to that website. And you have Would you say that website again, please? Would you repeat that again? It's www.docs, B as in Barbados, D as in dog, S as in Sam, dot com. And that's all uh, one word, or it runs together. So it is www.docsbds.com. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, keep on. And on that, on that website, if you go, there are actually forms that you can fill out for, for fee. It'll ask you for certain information, but you can go through that website and you're prompted where you should go next and what you should look for. And there are actually young researchers who would do the work for you and report to you. So you can get the documents online, they can be processed for you, and someone there will do the work for you. So that is very helpful for those people who probably can't get to Barbados to do uh, the research themselves. Now, do you need, you know, you mentioned you have 11 parishes. How specific uh, must a researcher be before they can actually get the help? And there's a question coming out of the chat saying, would you use the technique of working back in time, or what would be the best record set to begin? The town records, the census records from 19th century, just where would someone start? Well, um, I attended an event in Barbados just uh, last year where Sandra, Sandra Eady, was one of the presenters. And the recommendation that came from that uh, discussion was you do all of the research that you can do from here and you work back in time. You go all, anything that you can do, you start from the present and you move back into the, uh, in, into the past. And you go as far as you can go. And when you can't go any further, then you start looking at up. Uh, at Barbados, and some of these documents in terms of names and, and, and parishes and what have you, that allows you to get to that period or to that part of your research where then you can access the information that is in Barbados. So you go all the way back and you find the slave registers and the ships and all of this information that you can glean from your research here, and when okay. you get uh, 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 as far back as you can go, then you you kind of make the jump and you start looking at what you can find in Barbados. And you can get that sort of help 
when you go to some of these websites, and, and, and this one I told you about in particular, that has, on, on the information that they provide you, they give you different timelines, and, 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 and based on what time the ship entered, uh, the, 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 let's say, the United States or this area, um, you make the connection at that point. Okay. All right. Now, we want to just move uh, from genealogy, and, of course, people in the chat room, if you want to call in and ask a question, 646-200-0491. But we want to hear more about the Barbados and the Carolina Legacy Foundation. And tell us about the mission of this foundation and, and just give us as much information as we need to know and understand. The Barbados and the Carolinas Legacy Foundation. Uh, let me give you a history of what we did once we moved here. Back in the 19, uh, late 1978, there was an organization formed that was called the uh, West Indian Association. It basically was for military people who lived and were settled in this area, and they formed an organization called the West Indian Association. Well, it lasted for a few years. People moved on. And then we, um, when I got this book that spoke about the history, the Barbados-Carolina Connection, I felt that the way to connect to the area, this southern uh, area, is through the history because we have so much in common. There are so many you know, the influences that we talked about. So I came back from Barbados after visiting and going to my uncle's funeral, and I revived the organization, and it was called the Carolina Caribbean Association. Now, I did that, and I served as the president from 1991 through 19, uh, from 1991 to through 2004. I felt that if we focused on the history and we shared the history, that it would be a good way of connecting with the people. And we had people from different uh, Caribbean islands. And what the intent was at that time was that each island would look to their uh, island, con or their island uh, to their country or to their island and get information to tell the peculiar part of their history as it interfaces with all of the others. Well, many of the people that were part of the organization didn't think history was the main thing. So in 2004, I said that I was from Barbados. Barbados was given a lot of support. I had contacted the other embassies and the other uh, tourism groups and uh, from other islands, and they said, good idea, but nobody really was supporting what I was doing. Barbados did. So in 2004, after I felt that I couldn't represent all of the islands and share all of the information, then I decided to start the Barbados and Carolinas Legacy Foundation because Barbados had uh, given a lot of support, and um, I felt that I would be able to focus more intently on the Barbados Carolina Legacy Foundation. So we, we started the Barbados, the, that foundation in 2012, right around June, and our mission is very simple. It is to highlight 
to research, to archive, and to facilitate and promote opportunities for Barbados and Carolina co uh, collaboration. So that is what we are about. We have our website, which is um, BarbadosCarolinas.org. It's Barbados and the Carolinas um, uh, Foundation. And you can get information about a lot of the history, a lot of what historians write. I don't take credit for anything that they do. I just provide it as a way of showing that there are historians who are doing very great work, but then to engage Barbadians also in joining in the discussion, because Barbados is not just a relic of the past. It is a living community. The population in Barbados is 90% people of African descent, and it's a history whether it is good, bad, indifferent, some of the terrible things that uh, happened, uh, Barbados is now the custodian of this history. And I think as the custodian, you, you, you have the responsibility to share in the, uh, the history with everyone. And so being able to represent that sort of history in, in that way, the foundation is able to encourage collaboration and, 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 and share information and, and, and show the connectivity of, 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 of the history and how the one part of the history doesn't stand by itself, that you have right. to consider the whole Well, let me just get clarification. Did you say that 90% of the population of Barbados is of African descent? That's right. 90%. Many of the people... It started off with a white uh, majority, but when uh, the sugar plantations uh, and the, 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 the sugar became uh, the, the crop, then many of those uh, uh, white um, settlers moved to the Carolinas and to other Caribbean islands, and hence you have such a large percentage. That's why when people do genealogy, you have many people saying, well, we, you know, my ancestors came from Barbados. Well, many of the white population came, whether they were indentured servants or, 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 or poor yeomen, they came to the Carolinas and to other um, parts of the, 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 the eastern seaboard, and some of them moved beyond. So the whites pretty much moved away, and then Barbados, the black population increased and increased. We still had some uh, whites who remained in the island, a small percentage, and they, many of them uh, were, 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 were those with, with, with um, the monies, but we also had a remnant of those who were from the indentured servant class. But just 10% after, uh, well, that is today's reckoning, but only 10% of, of people of uh, European descent and there is about 3 to 4% of other ethnic groups, but 90%. And Barbados is ruled, um, particularly uh, its governance, uh, it's ruled by a, a black uh, population. So uh -huh. that is the demographic of Barbados today. Yes. Well, I just before we close out the show, I wanted you, if you could just share with us the connection with the Gullah Geechee and Barbados. 
Oh, that's a fascinating part of the history also. Uh, the African or those people of African descent that were brought to Barbados, they were brought from the same regions of Africa that uh, the, the, the Gullah Geechee people came from. So you had people, uh, the Yoruba uh, uh, and the Igbo and, and, and all of those people. Well, in 1670, when the English came and settled the Carolinas, they brought with them some enslaved uh, Barbadians too. So between uh, 1670 and the 1730s, um, a majority of the population here were, 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 were of African descent, and many of them were brought from Barbados and the other Caribbean islands. It was only when rice became the crop that was going to be the, uh, the, the, the commodity that was going to uh, enrich the planters here in the South, it was then that they started bringing Africans directly from the West Coast. So those did not stay in Barbados or what have you. They were brought directly over. But it was the same group of people. The interesting thing is that the enslaved population in Barbados, they were brought over early. Slavery began in Barbados before it was really uh, established here. And slavery ended in Barbados much, um, um, ended in, in Barbados in, in, 18, in the 1834 area, whereas in America, um, the, the, the blacks were freed around 18, in the 1830s. So... Mm -hmm. The blacks that were here before the influx of blacks that were brought from the West Coast for the rice cultivation were from the West Indies and from Barbados. And you have that intermingling of people of African descent from different tribes, no matter where you came from in West Africa. But because of the way the land was situated here and the, um, the tribes, the Gullah Geechee, people were, you know, being situated in some of the sea islands and being cut off, you have a very strong accent, much stronger than Barbados, because Barbados had been exposed to the English, you know, uh, European uh, language and so forth. But in the language, you realize that the same construction, some of the same words, uh, some of the, 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 those people who will look into the, 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 the language see a lot of similarities between the Bajan, which is the dialect that Barbadians speak, the less formal uh, language. They see the comparisons with the Gullah Geechee uh, or the Gullah uh, language. And so there is that connection, too. Um, but a lot of the influence and the stronger influence uh, is, is focused on the, the fact that the Gullah Geechee are those who were brought directly from West Africa. And we don't really, uh, the, the, the story or the way the story goes as far as the Gullah Geechee, it, it all encompasses those from Barbados or from the other Caribbean who were found here 
before sugar or before rice plantation uh, came into the picture and required the workforce directly from West Africa. Okay. And when you say from here, when you say from here, are you referencing South Carolina or are you referencing Barbados? I'm referencing the the, the Carolinas. When I say from here, Carolinas. Mm -hmm. So to simplify it, when the Carolinas were settled in 1617, the population, the black population that was brought with um, the, the, the planters were from Barbados and from other Caribbean islands. It wasn't until the 1730s in the Carolinas when sugar, when, um, not sugar, when rice. Uh, rice became the commodity that you had influx of um, West Africans coming directly here, quarantine on Sullivan's Island and cut off from everyone else. But who they encountered, those who were brought after the 1730s, they intermingled with those who were brought from the Caribbean, who would have been like a generation in slavery before these newcomers from West Africa were brought to the Carolinas. I got it. Okay. Now, we're we're getting close to the end of the show, and how can individuals get in touch with you? Uh, and what resources would you recommend that they continue to study to learn more about the Barbados and Carolinas connection? Well, I would be uh, delighted if they visit the BarbadosandCarolinas.org, which is our website, and what they find there in terms of the history, lots of information, lots of uh, documents, lots of papers, uh, directions on some of the books that one can read. Um, These are available to make people aware of the history, what the historians are saying. You visit the website www.barbadoscarolinas.org, and you can look at those documents. We also have a Facebook page where I continually put information, tidbits of, uh, of history, uh, so that we, we, we are constantly giving out new information, and people can read those, and people can, can, can um, do further research. But the information that is available it's a wide array from a lot of different um, historians from uh, Barbados and elsewhere, and it, it, it gives you one place to go look to find all of this information because other than that, you'd have to go hunting through the Internet. And um, the, the Barbados Carolinas uh, Foundation allows you to go one place, get as much information. I continually update it. And the other thing is I'm very much linked to Barbados. Barbados is very, very much aware of what is being done, and, you know, they give full support. So if there's a question or something that I need information on, I can call Barbados, I can call someone, and I can get information, even clarification on his 
historical matters or, or anything that, 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 that uh, people may be interested in, uh, I can well, you are get answers. You are really a great resource. Someone has just uh, posted that they've just liked your Facebook page. So this oh, is wonderful information for us to know, especially your direct link with Barbados, that if we have a question, we can post that question to you. You can contact someone and provide even additional information to them. So any parting words before we close out tonight? Well, let me say thank you again for inviting me. I hope that the information I've provided will give some sort of clarity for uh, those who may have had questions. And, um, again, I'm available through our organization uh, to provide information. Uh, we, we have just put the information up, up, up there, the, uh, the, the foundation, and we are building on our website. So more information is going to be uh, put there so one uh, can look at it, and soon we'll be able to have people donating to the organization if and when uh, – they're interested in what we're doing. Well, thank you so much. This is just great information. Well, everyone, I want to tell you about what's happening next week. First of all, Blog Talk Radio is going to be on Monday. Research at the National Archives is having a special show on Monday at 3 p.m., and this special broadcast will focus on strategies for understanding your autosomal DNA part two. And I'm so happy that Cece Moore, who is a professional genetic genealogist, and she writes the popular uh, 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 blog, uh, which t discusses the development of, of what's happening with DNA. And then we have Shannon Christmas, and he's a, an experienced genealogist specializing in genetic genealogy in Virginia and the Carolinas. And so they they had a show back in June, and we had so many callers that I've asked them to come back on and do a part two. So this is 3 o'clock. Eastern Time on Monday, and I definitely hope that you all will be able to join at that time. And that particular show will be rebroadcast on Halloween so that those of you who are not taking the kids out to eat, you can, <laughs> to get the candy and knock on the doors, you can then tune in on, on Halloween to listen to the broadcast. So I just wanted to say thank you very much. Thank you so much, Rhoda Green. You have provided us with just a wealth of information tonight on the Barbados and Carolinas connection. And I want everybody to remember that the ancestors do leave footprints. You know, therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, Research at the National Archives and Beyond. Now, you can continue this discussion on the Genealogy and History Forum of Afrogenius.com and Research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page. 
Also remember, as always, to listen to the African Roots Podcast with Angela Walton Raji tomorrow. So thank you so much for joining Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. And I just want to tell people, have you heard about the Heritage Seekers? Oh, you must tune in tomorrow to listen to the Mimi Johnson's Blog Talk Radio show where the Heritage Seekers who have are writing a book. The book is going to be out in December. We'll discuss their book, No Longer Forgotten, The Voices of Our Ancestors Speak. And these heritage seekers, there's eight of them, all have links to Edgeville, South Carolina. So I hope that you all will tune in tomorrow night at 6 o'clock to listen to the heritage seekers. Well, good night, and I look forward to you joining me on Monday. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Rhoda. Thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Good night to all. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.